from MPW Digital Network comes Cast Iron Table, the network's latest podcast for foodies. Look at the char we're getting. That that is what we're going for. Oh, isn't that hot, guys? Yeah, let's go with peppercorns. Thank you, because without peppercorns, it's not steak a poivre. <sighs> it can't be. Archer! By, like, definition. Today's show focuses on taste and drinks from the South, as well as some of your questions. I am not chugging beer. I'm sampling a flight of gluten-free German lagers with a French wine pairing. It's called a smorgasbein, and it's elegantly cultural. All right, Randy, you should probably lay off the old vine Chateauneuf de Pub. MPW Digital invites you to come sit down at Cast Iron Table with the Country Club of Oxford's executive chef, Jonathan Oliver, and the host of the program, Chase Parham. How intelligent do you have to be to take a food order? Ma'am, you're absolutely right, and uh, I apologize. I'm going to get this fixed for you right away. Welcome to another edition of Cast Iron Table. I am Chase Parham along with Jonathan Oliver, the executive chef at the Country Club of Oxford. That's where we're posted up today for this episode. We have talked beer with you. We have talked seafood with you last week. George Ann Ross, the grit girl. If you missed that episode, I really recommend going back and listening to that as she discussed you know what you wake up every morning wondering about what's the difference in cornmeal and grits and polenta <laughs> and maza and all the different ways you can do really cool things with grits it's uh it's grits it's the new potato so check that out last uh last week that came to you we were a couple days later recording normal jonathan jonathan finally got a little well-deserved vacation in uh in florida for a few days and as we record today and we'll come out this week we're getting ready for easter so for easter we're going to kind of talk about the entire meal, um, different things you can do that are easy, things that, that are traditional too. Though we're not gonna we're not gonna completely go away from tradition with today's episode. As we get started, as always, I uh, as you know, I write for Rivals.com. I cover Ole Miss athletics, but I've got an interest in food. You can check me out on Twitter at Rivals Chase R I V A L S C H A S E. And Jonathan, as I said, is the uh, chef here at the Country Club of Oxford on Twitter at Oxford C C John J O N there so good day to you you brought some uh brought some beverages for us that we're trying out today i did uh brought in uh boulevard brewing out of uh kansas city i think you're doing the uh, uh new belgium that's correct side yeah. side trip side trip. yeah you're good, still good yeah, it's still the lighter of all the ones you're yeah, still i'm trying getting i'm getting you there it's, it's better than it was i i, I hey. used to would have walked in and just like hey hand me the stella Straight Stella. Let me move on with my day. Maybe a yinling here and there. Yeah, a little yinling here and there. Um, I don't know. Easter, uh, really excited about that. It's one of my favorite holidays just growing up. Um, you know, all the holidays. got a pretty big family. So we would, uh, you know, Thanksgiving, Easter, you know, any food holiday was pretty exciting on, on all of our end. Uh, my, my aunt and my mom ran the Oliver Brood House and owned that back in the day. They sold it in like 2000, so they did catering and did Easter and brunch and things like that growing up. So, you know, all that they would work and come home and have a huge, huge setup. Everybody talks about Thanksgiving. You've got the turkey and the ham and the sweet potato casserole with the marshmallows on top and the pecan pie Mm -hmm. and the whole thing. Easter a little more underrated as a food holiday, which there's still standard fare. There's things that you should do or not do. And it's also the end of Lent. So all the people that have been practicing Lent for, yeah. for the for the 40, 45 days yep. leading up to it, they uh, 
they can also kind of splurge on on whatever said food is that day. Meat, yeah. I mean, you know, and you're getting closer to spring this year. It's being a little early. Uh, you know, some of the veggies are on hold like we would have. You know, asparagus is kind of, is coming in. Um, but, you know, being the end of March last year, I think it was – not sure the exact date, but we're going over probably, in April, though. Yeah, so we're probably three weeks before we were last what, year. Uh, we're going to get into some things you should have, but what are some vegetables or different things that maybe in normally you go, hey, whatever, but because it's the end of March, not quite time for that yet? Well, I mean, right now, you know, we had a cold snap this week, so your root vegetables are still running hard. You know, always everybody always wants potatoes. I've been getting in little bit of corn here and there um you know collard greens are still really running hard i think that would be a great dish for you know a buffet setup if you have you know 15 or 20 of your family coming over um asparagus obviously is i'm seeing that coming in on the food truck every week we get off the uh, woodson ridge has a food truck that stops at most of the restaurants in oxford uh memphis i'm thinking they go a couple other tupelo um, we get there on Thursday, and they're they've been bringing in a lot of strawberries from Louisiana that are just dynamite right now. So, um, and then peas, they they keep behind their peas, and they bring me some peas that are frozen, but we're fresh, you know, obviously. Um, so I've been using those. Um, there's just, you know, it's it's different day to day. Bok choy, which is kind of random, but we've used that a good bit this week in the last couple of weeks here at the club. Um, that's one that's a little intimidating. I, I've used it in stir fry and different yeah. things, but otherwise, I wouldn't know how in the world to incorporate bok choy into something. You know, that's kind of the main way that I've done it, uh, that I do it. But we did a, uh, a couple of weeks ago. We did a creamy bok choy. So we we blanched it, cooled it down, we sautéed it, and then added um, a little bit of cream, a little parm, and uh, and, a, and cooled it down again, and had a little egg in there and baked it, and that was that was a that was a popular dish for it's, sure. It's the big leafy thing with the white end. Yeah, and you use the white. You, know, you cut the white end off and cook that. Um, you know, you can roast that down and use that and other methods. I mean, you know, you could even do your potatoes and add that. It's kind of like you know adding celery into something. I mean, you could have. Couldn't a little you crunch. take the bok choy and throw it into pasta? Oh yeah, through the oh, end, yeah. kind of dice it and. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you could come up with I think many ways to do it. I think it, if you blanch it. Uh, and some water, cool it down. You could actually make like a, a small lunch with it. You know, a little lettuce wrap. Use the bok choy as the wrap. Never tried that. Yeah, with a little chicken. Um, What's it going to taste like compared to your lettuce or your? Other uh, it's got a little want? more flavor. It's it's you know it's it's got a little more bitterness to it. So you want to offset it with something sweet. You know, I I love that Frank sweet chili. I think we've talked about that yeah. and that with some chicken and some peanuts would probably be good. I'm going to get into a couple of these things yeah. we're going to make today in a kind second. Kind of off there. <laughs> well, no, 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 that's good. I, I'm curious before I say that, because we mentioned before the podcast, you said you weren't a huge asparagus guy, not one of your favorite Yeah, I don't know why. It's one of those things, you know, you every... Know, I, I stay away from tomatoes, partly because I'm sort of allergic, but yeah. I also just don't really like the... Fre- I love marinara and stuff, but just Cooked the tomatoes, taste you can do. It. Yeah. That's my question. As a chef, what do you do with making foods that don't necessarily fit your palate when obviously you're having to taste them you're having yeah. to make sure it tastes right i mean how, how does that kind of impact your cooking when you don't prefer something when it fits i your think mouth? you know when you start cooking stuff like that that i mean asparagus is one of the only things that you know that every year i'm like all right maybe i like it this year you know i just i don't know it's just some flavor about it that i don't like um 
you know, a lot of stuff that is cooked with asparagus, such as like your casserole that we were going to talk about or spinach souffle, asparagus souffle, you can do it the same way. Just add asparagus in there, so I necessarily don't have to eat it. It's not like I'm going to die if I eat asparagus. You I guess know, that's I'll my question. It. Like A lot of people don't like things, even though they're technically cooked correct. And I've always yeah. been curious, even even if you're watching something on TV where you're watching Iron Chef, right? where you've got the judges, and they can't like every bit of that food. There has to be certain things that just does not suit their palate very well. However, at the same time, I guess they just know what it's supposed to taste like, and they kind of judge off I, of that. I, I think once you've cooked, like those guys have probably been cooking for 25 years, you know, you just, you know, you know, a lot of things. And you're supposed to, you know, as a chef too, I think you you got to taste every product you cook before you send it out. You know, that's just, that's a known fact. That's a cardinal rule in this in this profession. Um, is it because you're worried I'm about gonna seasoning know. mostly? I'm going to know. I think, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to send something out and say, all right, this is good. You know, I, I think, you know, I won't. That, that product, that's got my name on it. So I want everybody to, you know, know that it's it's made by me. So I'm I'm going to taste it. You know, it doesn't mean I have to eat, a, you know, four ounces of it. I can taste it and be perfectly fine. Um, and, again, I'm not really allergic to many foods, if any at all, that I know about. So um, that part hasn't come around yet. Am I changing what you intend or what any chef intends if I put a bunch of salt and pepper on it when I get it? Um, you know, it's on the table here always, you know, some people like it differently. I had a, a lady the other night, you know, it's a little too peppery. We did some sauteed spinach with, I think it was with a halibut or something. And, you know, that's just a preference. You know, it's like your steak. Some people want them medium. Okay. I send out a medium steak in my opinion, that was medium. Perfect. She, you know, they might send it back. Oh, I need it cooked more. Their medium is a different medium than mine, you know, or. Isn't medium technically a temperature? Like, isn't there a certain temperature you're supposed to get to and that's medium? Yeah. I mean, there's there, but, you know, I think a lot of people have, you know, that's medium, but I really do like midwell, you know, or I like more well, you know, and that, in my, you know, it is what it is. You know, we get that. And I know a lot of people in the kitchen are like, oh, I can't believe they're going to eat a steak that, you know it's well done just cut the horns off and throw it on the plate yeah or add ketchup and just dip it in there you know i just it it, on my opinion it just ruins i mean why just get a hamburger you know it's on the menu get that but then again you know teach their own why not yeah yeah so ham is the main thing We're, we're gonna look at a couple different things here today uh Let's start there, though, with, with, with ham. Uh, it's it's the most universal. It's the most basic. That I mean, it's what my family was always going to kind of Yeah, every Easter it, had it, ham. It's ham, it's For ham, sure. it's ham. You're going to have some ham. You're going to have some potatoes. There's going to be something green or some peas on the plate. And you're going to maybe some cornbread, and then mm-hmm. you're going to move on with uh, with your day. If, you, if you're going to make cornmeal, we recommend maybe picking up some uh, cornmeal from the Grit Girl. She has that around uh, Oxford or certain restaurants yeah. throughout the, throughout the region in the country. But with the ham, obviously you can just go to the, the supermarket, you can buy the big loin ham thing. Well, I'm a big, um, you know, I think on ham, uh, I like the ha- uh, with the shank in the, in the ham. So you get the flavor from the bone. Uh, you're going to roast it. What I do is we'll, we'll take the ham, we'll uh, put it in our roasting rack, cover it with a little brown sugar, salt and pepper, very simple. You know, nothing nothing too crazy. Because um, everybody, again, a lot of times if I do it on a banquet or a buffet or, or here for Easter, we're going to have, um, you know, a couple different sauces that you can add yourself to that ham dish. That is, you know, we usually do use it as a carving station. 
So we're going to take the ham, the ham shank. Uh, rule of thumb, two minutes per pound. Um, roasting it. Roasting it in the okay. oven at 350. That's it. Two minutes a pound. Two minutes a pound. Uh, roasting. You know, a lot of people get in the 10 to 12 pound. Shank, in the shank, the bone's going to make it heavier. Um, but you're also going to get all that flavor from that bone as it cooks into your meat. And then we're going to shave it down. When it comes out, you want to let it rest. You can actually do it real early in the day. If you're, you know, Easter Sunday, you're working, working. Do it in the morning. Get it done. Foil. Just keep it in the pan all day. Um, slice it a little closer to time when you're, you know, your guests get there. You can pop it back in for a second if you want to reheat it. I don't mind uh, room temp ham. I don't think that's a big deal. Um, you know, teach his own again. You know, however you want to do it. Um, brown sugar, salt and pepper, two minutes basic. per pound. Basic. That's as basic as it gets. You can get creative and you know brine it, or you can you know add a, a crust on top and roast it and do it halfway in the oven with a you know like a, a horseradish crust or whatever but i would rather just add I, a sauce i, I think brining is important for turkeys i think brining is very important I, I do a lot of smoked chicken where i put smoked chicken in the mm -hmm. smoker for a while all day and let it do that and i think brining is very important there because it kind of yeah. keeps some moisture turkey definitely for it, sure it, is ham is brining really a uh benefit? no it's kind of cured already so you don't have to do it but i mean you know you can get creative if you want to but i think in easter you know you're cooking usually you know eight items you know and so you want to cut cut some time down and not have to do so much on one for us we're gonna have this this sunday i'll probably have to do six hams probably for easter brunch so um it's a whole nother ball game on that end are you a ham or a turkey guy just in general uh, you know i'm i'm definitely a turkey I, I like nice deli ham sandwiches you know i like the pressed on the flat top or um i do love uh i don't i'm more of a turkey yeah turkey guy i like uh you know fried turkey obviously is is what we do here it's just i do it every year um at the I do it at the club, and then we do some extra for the family on Thanksgiving every year. So, all right, moving up into uh, difficulty level, I got three main courses here. I want to then we're, we're going to go through the, the the difficulty from easiest to hardest. Lamb rack next. Uh, yeah, we, we got a couple questions on the site and through Twitter. Appreciate all of that. You can follow uh, the show through MPW. Ha uh, sorry, not hashtag MPW underscore digital on uh, Twitter to check us out. So you can do that. That's where all the podcasts that come from us are located from a sending out standpoint on that social media preference. Also, if you're listening to us on iTunes, please subscribe. Please subscribe. Please give a rating. Five stars will be appreciated. Say whatever you want to under it. You can call me an idiot. You can do whatever you'd like. But please give the five stars. We would <laughs> appreciate that. Also, check us out on the iOS app, the podcast app for Apple users. Also have a Podbean page for those that have Android phones or something that is not an iPhone. So we appreciate everybody so far for listening, and please do those things. We would really appreciate it. Moving on to the lamb, something that you mentioned to me kind of immediately was was lamb, and I've never had lamb for Easter, but um, it's big. It was big. You know, we would do it in Charlotte when I was there, and I've actually this week since we've talked about that, have had a few people wanting it on our Easter buffet um i think it's you know obviously more of a kind of upper that way but you know it's it, it's good i love i love any type of lamb i can kind of give you what we do um lamb rack uh we'll do a uh you can do the bigger ones but i like 
kind of the fourteen to seventeen ounce. I can just lamb buy racks. this at anywhere. You can, you know, I would. You could go to Kroger or you could go to you know one of your butcher shops, but you know it, it's it's pricey. You know, I think it's around anywhere from eight to fifteen a pound, depending on you know domestics more than New Zealand lamb. Uh, Colorado's just the that's the prime spot. It's got a little thicker. Uh, lamb on that the that's meat what i was going to ask you what's my benefit from i think i would do the domestic uh denver um or colorado lamb is just Why it's awesome you know just just their thing they that they're good with cattle they're good with uh that whole process okay um new zealand a little bit cheaper um years ago they had a big flood in new zealand and it wiped out a lot of their their product so that went it skyrocketed everywhere so then it was right around easter it's about three or four years ago so we had to uh take that off the menu um that we usually have that was kind of an uproar the last country club i was at but um what i would do uh 14 to 17 ounce lamb or a lamb rack you want to get your uh make sure it's frenched usually it comes that way um if not the bones will have the meat on there you get your paring knife and kind of it's a it's a process you want to scrape down the the meat on the bone get that off wrap it in foil so what's it look like when i'm done with that it'll what, be what am i trying to do straight just you'll see bone you know no no meat on there because the meat's gonna crust up in the oven on there if you leave it on there and it's just gonna it's not so gonna I'm look taking nice. my little knife and i'm just slicing cutting that the off. Meat off the bone you can get a, also a backside of your spoon and kind of scrape off the very end parts of that. Okay. Kind of tears your knife up a little bit, but it's well worth it in the long run. But most get it Frenched is what it'll say. It'll fr- say French lamb rack. Okay. Um, so we're going to sear. You, we can go back to the cast iron skillet. We can sear that lamb, um, get a nice crust on both sides at, you know, probably 500 degrees. Pull it off, let it rest. Um, then I like to do it with the horseradish, Dijon. And I know you don't like this, but a little bit of mayo just to give it a, uh, a, a just to kind of combo that that mix, and then add some Ritz crackers that are uh, food processor kind of processed up. Then rub the outside of your lamb, the whole thing. You know, put a couple gloves on, or if you just want to get dirty with it, you know, wash your hands and and you know all over. And then um, you're gonna go into the oven after that on a rack. Um, you know, at home we have, you know, your turkey racks. You can use that. You can go back onto your cast iron skillet, but you kind of lose the bottom part of your lamb. You're going to lose some of that crust. Um, if you can get it off the pan with whatever you're cooking it in in the oven at 350, um, usually around 12 to 18 minutes in the oven. Going to pull it out and let it rest for about five to seven minutes before cutting it. And do, you know, you know, my family, we're going to have probably 15 plus doing uh you know uh easter so i would do probably i don't know roughly six six racks you can cut them into lollipop shape around the the plate or platter set them out there you can leave them kind of cut a few leave one hole and people could cut their own it's kind of cool i go mid-rare um you could also do some medium some mid-rare different different temps on each one most people that like whatever they like their beef, will they like this that temperature as well? Uh, you know, yeah, it, it gets a little more that lamb flavor. The the less it's cooked, you know, the more it's done, it's going to be um, a little bit not as chewy. But I don't. It, it's just, it depends really on what you get your product, your your what you're getting in. Um, the 
I mean, I'm, and then mint jelly, I think, goes just awesome with that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just something you could pick up at any any grocery store. Um, but that's probably one of my favorites for Easter. We don't get it much down here, but I'd love to get back into doing that. I think I'm gonna do it this weekend on our uh, dinner menu. Now we're going to be complicated, or at least what's going to look complicated when you're done to your guests, you're going to impress them, you're going to do something that, wow, you spent all day long when really you didn't. So let's let, let's go through this, a uh, pork crown roast. All right. Where we're going here. And th- 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 this is the one you build up to. This is the one where you go, hey, I've got the maybe the in-laws in town and I want to try to pull one off here or you're doing <laughs> something. What are, you, uh, what are we doing? All right, so pork crown roast, you're going to take um, – Two pork loins, bone in. Uh, same with the uh, the lamb rack. You're gonna do. You're gonna uh, French those bones, or they'll come Frenched already. Um, sometimes they won't. Same same process though. We're gonna put two uh, two crown roasts. I think they're about eight to nine pounds a piece. What you're gonna do is turn them. Uh, is that harder to find? Real quick on that. Harder I, to find. Bone in. Por- yeah, I mean, you know, Sam's, Costco, those places always have them. That's kind of your best spot. Most everybody has one of those, at least in an hour radius. If you're doing Easter, usually you're probably doing all that. Or you're traveling somewhere to cook Easter, so you could swing by and get that. Um, you know, Whole Foods always has it if you have those. Um, or you could maybe talk to, if you are in a country club, hey, talk to the chef. He'll order you some. <laughs> I would. Um so we're going to take those two racks. You're going to kind of flip them opposite way if you're looking at them and tie them on the back side. So you're going to take a paring knife through the back end of both bones, which it sounds a little more complicated, and get you some butcher's twine, which is anywhere and everywhere. So if you have one roll, you probably had it for 20 years. Um, and we're going to tie both ends uh, backwards on that and then roast in the oven at... 350 and this is going to take anywhere from three to three and a half hours um on time a commitment. Rack. yeah it's definitely something you need to get ahead of time you know 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 what you got left um the um it's probably about 14 to 20 actual bones in that thing the in the rack um and then you're going to pull it out at 150 to 160 degrees depending on how you like your your pork done um and then what a lot of people do is make a stuffing halfway through and add it into the middle of your uh, crown roast, cover it with a little foil, and that's going to roast in the oven with that. And it, by the time it's done at the three-hour, three-and-a-half-hour time limit, that's cooked. What I like to do, just it's easier on my end, it's, it, it actually looks like a crown. So you're going to uh, – I like to do a lot of uh, herb roasted potatoes, pour them in the middle as it's going on to your – uh, platter and then each each guest you can put a nice knife out there they can cut their own rack off so it's almost like eating a uh, bone-in pork chop at the end what's the trick to making sure you get that thing wrapped up and looking right um you know you want to cover the bones again you can do foil a lot of little places will make these little top chef hats and things to put on there to look cool at the end um, you can pull your foil off and have little they're called booties on the top and that looks good on your your display. Um, you just foil around the bone. But as far to as make, like actually, you to know, making piece it, it, yeah, piecing it together, you you want to do the opposite. You want to take it and bend it backwards and tie both ends together. That's that's the key with your butcher's twine. 
Um, it's it's really a lot. It's it's pretty simple once you look at it and you're doing it. Um, that's the way I'd go. It's it's really not that hard. I think it sounds harder probably out of my mouth right now than it is. It's easier to show and kind of do, and you could get online and look at it, and they'll kind of give you the whole tip of how to do it. But it's something that would it blow everybody's mind if they came in and saw it sitting on the buffet. Obviously, got to have some sides to go along with some of these things. The one that everybody has on the table, every grandmother in the world is going to put this out there for every holiday. I personally am not a fan, but the world loves some deviled eggs. Yeah, that's the Easter tradition, you know. It's everywhere. Um, we do, uh, you know, we'll have, I'll probably have to do three or 400 deviled eggs for this weekend. So that's that's a whole other process. But uh, your regular deviled egg, you know, you want to take your, your boiled egg. We're going to, um, you know, get a, a paring knife again, cut around that, get the yolk out, put that in a separate bowl, keep your shells to the side. We're going to add a little mayo, a little bit of mustard, Tabasco, and paprika, and salt and pepper is, the, is your normal basic deviled egg. Uh, the key to that is to put, you know, mix your mix, add it into a Ziploc bag, and make it a piping bag. You know, a lot of people won't have a piping bag sitting around, or you can just throw this away too. Uh, cut the end off with the scissors, you know, the corner end. And pipe those back into and your deviled egg. That'll make it into a popping bag, just regular Ziploc yep. bag. Yeah, and then put put your mix in there, cut the end the end piece, pipe it right into the uh, your your shell, and then in the fridge. You can do this, you know, days before. I'm saying at least a day. You can get this done, and that's that's over with. The other one that we like to do is a crab meat deviled egg. Same, pretty much same process with the the whole mix, but adding fresh, you know, lump crab in there. And then a little bit of Old Bay instead of the uh, paprika over the top. I think that's uh, that's popular. Same piping bag. Might have to cut it a little wider at the top just to get the crab meat out to pipe on top of your egg. And then um, another one that we've done is a cooked crumbled bacon and gouda with the mix Ooh. piped on top. Um, you still could, putting the mix in there, though. Still doing the mix. I think that just goes that goes well with all that. You could add a little bit of diced tomato at the garnish and have a BLT deviled egg, you know, something a little different. Same piping bag, have the tomato, small dice to the side, right over the top of the, uh, the egg when you send it out. Um, and those are kind of the three that, you know, you don't want to do 15,000 deviled eggs on one you know, and spend two days doing it. But I think if you did three different ones, it would blow just everybody's Just something mind. a little different, yeah. I yeah. mean, to, to whatever than just the normal deviled egg. They get there where it's yeah. basically like mayo on a plate and yeah, with a little yellow thrown in. And I mean, you could probably take away the mayonnaise and have it more mustard-based, but it would definitely be a little bit more mustard. But maybe, maybe some whole grain might give it a little People would notice different the difference. Flavor. Yeah, it wouldn't be your same classic traditional <laughs> deviled egg for sure. Need some greens. You recommend spinach souffle, which is something that that's a classic. Probably uh, some something that most people just need to taste and not think about too hard. Yeah, um, like I said, my mom and aunt did the Oliver Bread House, and that was their famous dish. You know that spinach souffle is super easy. We would do uh, get frozen spinach chopped, thawed out, um, mayonnaise, um, eggs. So if you did five cups of mayo, eight eggs, chopped spinach. Um, you know, mixed, mixed all in a mixing bowl, a little bit of red pepper flake, sharp cheddar right into your casserole dish at 350, 45 minutes. 
sits up perfect. It's a huge one here. You know, we do a egg sardou for brunch, so we'll have some left and we'll cut it out and do a little fried egg on there with hollandaise. It's a big, big seller. So you're doing this in a big casserole dish? I'm doing this. You know, I mean, if I'm feeding my family for Easter, I, you know. You're not trying many. to individual ramekin. No, no, no. I'm going to do a big, a larger, you know, it's a, it's a buffet item you can put out and, you know, it's, it's like a casserole size. I'm going to be doing it in a hotel pan this, this weekend. So, what are you doing for dessert? Dessert. We are doing uh, this weekend, we're going to do pecan pies, little pecan pies, and then we're going to do some different types of cakes. And cupcakes are huge because all the kids out here. Um, on the pecan pie, I use the Dutch Ann Pie Company, it's out of uh, Natchez. You get that at any, I think Walmart carries it now, and they have a great recipe on the back, and that's it's 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 solid. The um, Pecans, though, that's the thing what we, we're lucky about. We get the Delta pecans here, Indianola. Um, you know, pecan down here is just, they're awesome. So that's, that's what I'm going to do. I usually let the, you know, you got to let other people cook on Easter, too. So I try to do <laughs> some stuff here. And, of course, I work all day and then come in, and we kind of eat later on. So I've been doing Easter brunches for so long that... Because that's the thing here. I mean, say a person decided to do okay. I mean, even, even the ham. I mean, that takes a little bit of effort. And you do the deviled eggs, you do the souffle. I mean, you can find some shortcuts on some other items to make this thing less, uh, oh, less for in, sure. in, you know, extensive than it, than it has to be. I think so. I mean, it's always, you know, you said you had people asking about um, decorating eggs um, for, for Easter. Um, you know, boil an egg seven minutes and, and go at it. You know, is that a very universal thing there? I, I'm pretty sure. You know, I haven't seven, seven I, minutes. Get the water boiling and throw it in there for yeah, seven minutes. Yeah, I mean, I can do the egg boil. I haven't probably decorated an egg in quite some time. So, you should do that. I should. What are you drinking <laughs> for Easter? I mean, what's what, what's kind of the for a lot of the stuff that we're talking about? What are what are some pairings here? Are we doing with what alcohol? Whatever. Yeah. Um, well, I thought you know the other day we did a peach and Louisiana strawberry bellinis, which is super easy. Um, you could take quarter peaches at in the can at Kroger, wherever you go to, to shop. Put in a blender, blend that up, and then take a strainer and strain out the, the liquid and get out kind of the pulp and the, and the, the mm-hmm. meaty part of the peach. Mm-hmm. And then have your champagne ready or Prosecco. I like the Prosecco better. It's not as brute. And, yeah, yeah, it just comes out better for me. Um Get your, you know, day of. You don't want to do it the day before so you can have that bubbly flavor. But um, mix your Prosecco into that pureed um, peach juice. What's mix my ratio that. on that? Um, you know, I'm going to say two cans of your pureed peaches into, I don't know, probably a liter pitcher, if you have a liter pitcher. And then top that, however much you want to put alcohol in there. You know, if I'm doing it, probably at least probably a bottle of Prosecco and then the two cans. Yeah. Yeah. You want to, you know, make it worse something. Um, and then, you know, strawberries is a great garnish. I think you can either puree that the same way and add it into your peach mix into your, the, the ending product. And it has this cool kind of drop down color through your peaches, or you can just garnish the top and they could, you know, maybe dip that in there, eat the strawberry, take the drink. Um, and then your normal stuff, you know, that's kind of what I think that would look cool. That's kind of your one signature Easter drink. But have your beer, have your wine, have whatever you're doing. Anyway. Yeah, for sure. We're talking about this, and obviously, I mean, we're dumbing it down big time here. Are you an Easter candy person? 
You know, I'm not a big candy guy at all, to be honest. You don't like Cadbury eggs? Uh, you know. Because people tell me I'm un-American because I'm not a yeah, big Cadbury I mean, egg person. Like I said, you know, I, I'll eat a little bit. through. I could probably name, put on one hand how much candy I've had in a year. Really? You know, yeah, I just don't. Not into the, I don't eat much sweets, you know. I mean, I like making stuff, but on that end, you know, I don't know. I um, I think on the Cadbury egg, I think this is a classic. Your chocolate Easter bun, your chocolate bunny is a classic. Peeps, I cannot stand. I don't know why. Because <laughs> it's just a marshmallow. Yeah, and they just I don't know. They just stick in you, and they come off on your hands. Yeah, and they're everywhere. I mean, I don't. But know. now, look, but people th- love them. Here's hey. what it is, though: something about a Reese's egg or Christmas tree See, is so that. much better than just a regular Reese's. I don't know what it is, but the egg or the Christmas tree. Probably because they come out with they do it once a year, and it's not mass produced all year long. Just, oh yeah, I think so. I think it's just a such nostalgia a nostalgia, maybe coming in as well. Kind of like a seasonal thing, you know. You know, it's going to be there. I see. I think that's why everybody likes this Abita strawberry because to me, Abita strawberry. If you did it all year, you wouldn't drink it as much. It's like the McRib. McDonald's, yeah. you know, we had the McRib yeah, at certain and it's locations. Flies out of there. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I've got a buddy who lives and dies by Abita strawberry. He will not touch another strawberry beer. I'm like Covington's better. Yeah, it's it's better no matter what it is. I think that would be a good Easter beer, you know, to have it. Would it. be a good Easter beer. That that you know. Strawberry anything. Strawberry shortcake, I think, is great. You could make biscuits and do, you know, fresh strawberries and whipped cream over the top. I think that's a great dessert, too, if we can go back to that. Um, but, uh, I mean, candy-wise, I think that's just a preference, you know, for what you want to want to get and what fits inside an egg. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. You could do that. You could just put some stuff in eggs and, and call it a day. But. Yep. Anyway, there is a bit of an Easter menu for you today. Some things to try, some things to get a little creative with, and also just uh, some basics that are very easy to uh, help out, whether you're trying to help out the wife or the girlfriend or you are trying to impress some people along the way with whoever you've got over for uh, for the holiday. Because it is, it's an underrated food holiday. You know, We always think about Thanksgiving. Yeah, I, we I look forward to it, especially the time of year. I mean, this is when you're you're getting all the fresh stuff in. You know, seafood's great this time of year. You know, your veggies, all that's kind of coming out. It's popping. So You could even use grits somehow. Hey, yeah, always use grits. <laughs> yeah, the cornbread, though, really is the thing I would suggest out of that from last week. If you're going to do something, use yeah. that cornbread. Oh, corn yeah, do like jalapeno cornbread. cornbread or, you know, get a little spice in there. We did do a, um uh, oyster casserole a couple of years ago, which was, you know, you're kind of getting toward the end of the season, in my, in my opinion, but... Um, you get the select with cream cheese cooked. Uh, pull that off of the heat and add a little. Add you know, say two uh, two logs of cream cheese, eight eggs. Then add your oysters in there, uh, salt and pepper, a um, little bit of sharp parmesan or romano, and uh, bake in the oven. And then let sit. That's kind of a fun one. That that kind of blew everybody's mind. I did that one year when I was living in New Orleans and came back home. Easy, easy jalapeno cornbread. Are you just doing the cornbread batter and then just putting the diced jalapenos in it? Just how I many you would kind of want? Is that the goal you, there? You know, I like to use the uh, yeah the pickled diced jalapenos that are already cooked, um, and then you make your cornbread. Add that in. You could add anything you want, really. You could add some some Tabasco in there and make it a little spicy. You could add um, red pepper flake. Um, you could add different kinds of peppers, but yeah, easy jalapeno cornbread. I mean, it's great. I love that stuff. 
another thing to try there again easter this weekend we'll be back with another podcast next week talking about a uh, new set of food to get you through uh the work week i think we're going to beef next week is that correct yep Jonathan? beef it's gonna be fun yeah we've gone through beer seafood and beef we're hitting a lot of the a lot, a lot of the favorites quickly mm-hmm. in this uh in this one so um again hopefully sausage in a couple weeks yeah we're gonna get all that to you keep checking us out again thanks for uh the you know really the the, the word of mouth the feedback so far as well as the uh, reviews the, the star rankings and the help pushing it through itunes we really appreciate it so for jonathan oliver chase Parm, talk to you next week